The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In this episode, you will hear about eyebrows, homework, painting, movies, most of all, self-compassion. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am so, so dang excited to have Carla Nomberg here because she just wrote another book. You'll know her from her first book, How to Stop Losing Your Shit with Your Kids. And now your new book is You Are Not a Shitty Parent. I am so glad you're here. Christy, I'm so happy to be back. (laughs) You were like my first big ask of like asking an author to come on my podcast when I started um, because I saw your cover on Instagram. I was like, I have to talk to this person. And so I'm so excited we get to talk again with another book that's like just as cool. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. And I I love our conversation. So, So let's dig in. Let's do this. So let's talk about being a human, right? Like motherhood is hard hard. (laughs) parenting is hard you're you've decided to raise other humans and and we're always we have this track in our head that says we're a shitty parent yeah it's dumb i don't like it let's not do that (laughs) where does it come from is it just something like you're handed the baby and all of a sudden like guilt and shitty parents is stamped on your forehead (laughs) oh no no, and if no, I don't I hope not. God, <laughs> that's what it feels to... like. Because like sometimes you know you're looking at this baby, and as your grandfather said, it's a crisis, and you'll get through it. <gasps> you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pop up said that. Pop-up it is said one that. of my favorite <laughs> lines. I it repeat a, it often, it like, and I give crisis, you credit. But you'll get through it. I was like, "Geez, Pop up, can't you like? Where's the where's the congratulations? Right? Where's the mazel tov? He was the only and truth teller. He was the only truth teller. Amen, Christy. You know what I remember from holding our first child? So they put us in this room together, my husband and myself and, and our newborn baby. And it was like hours after I delivered her. And we're like staring at this little bundle. And I'm thinking, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I have no idea what we're supposed to do with this thing. Mm-hmm. I think they, apparently they trust us to keep it alive, which seems like a pretty bad call on their part, but whatever. <laughs> and I look at my husband and God bless him. He has picked up the like glossy brochure from the hospital about like how to take care of newborns. And he is reading it word for word. And I know that he is also panicking and this is like his coping mechanism. And I'm thinking he's not going to learn anything in that stupid brochure. (laughs) And, but I I don't know, maybe he did. He's an excellent father. So something well, but I just remember feeling so much love for my husband in that moment because I was like, we're lost and we're screwed and now we're in this mess and we can't get out of it. And what the hell are we going to do? And he was like, I need information. I've got a to guide. Raise this baby. So I'm going to read this guide. And I was like, 
he is the sweetest man alive. And then I, I don't know, I probably got peed on or something. I don't know what happened after that. I have a similar moment where I remember my husband holding the um, breastfeeding chart about how tiny a baby's stomach is and how you don't have to I panic about how much that. they need to nurse. Like a baby is born with like, I think it's a walnut size or a bean at the beginning. Like the first couple days, you don't have to worry about how much they eat because their stomach is so tiny. I wish somebody had given me that because I worried about that so much. It, it's so much, right? <laughs> that's where, so that's where it all starts, right? Like we start judging ourselves with all this bad and worse. Am I doing this right sort of thing? So uh, I think there's a bunch of reasons why we think we're shitty parents. And I would like to put in a caveat here, which is to say that I don't think there is such thing as a shitty parent. I don't think there, I just don't find it at all a useful or helpful or healing or supportive way to think about things. And I think there are parents who don't have the information and support and resources we need to parent the way we want to. And I think there are parents who do interact with their children in not awesome ways. You know, we all know that abuse and neglect and terrible things happen, but you won't ever catch me calling them a shitty parent because once you say to someone you're a bad parent, it's like, the door is shut. There are no options. What are you going to do? How do you? You're how just going to you keep digging forward? down deep yeah, into I mean, the hole. The, 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 the shame and blame. Yeah, there's no, there's no way out of that hole. Exactly, Christy. And when we say to parents, "Hey, you just don't have what you need," and it takes so much, so much information, so much support, and so many resources, both external, you know, money, time access to schooling, health insurance, all the things, but also internal resources, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It takes so much that how can we just remember that people just, we all need more, right? And how can we get curious with ourselves and others instead of being judgmental? But we'll get to that. So how did we get to this place? This is such a good question of, you know, all of us feeling like we're screwing up parenting. And I think... Like, who knows for sure, really, right? But let's, <laughs> I like to say we, we got here because we stopped being judged for our jello salads. And then, like, we started getting judged for parenting instead. I kind of feel like, A, that's amazing because with that little brilliant jello salad, you, Christy, just totally hit on one of these really powerful societal things that have happened, which is we went from being stay at home no no sorry we went from being housewives Mm -hmm. and our job was to like clean and cook and all the things to being stay-at-home moms and our job and look i realize there are stay-at-home dads as well and there are stay-at-home gender non-binary parents and all the things but let's let for reals most of us are moms right Yep. so we went you know that our primary job was to raise our children and they should be happy and healthy and you know succeeding and doing all the things all the time. And if they're not, it kind of feels like we're failing at our most important job. And I do think that's one reason why we think of ourselves as terrible parents is because we've set these impossibly high standards. And especially during the pandemic, you know, I say that during the pandemic, all parents, the choices we had over the past two and a half years were between bad and worse. Those are your (laughs) options. You can pick bad or you can pick worse. And the hard thing about it was in the moment, we didn't know if we were picking bad or we were picking worse. And we may never know, but it yeah. always feels like we picked worse, even though there was no choice. It was a choiceless choice. It was like when you say 
to your kid, you can have zero cookies or you can have one cookie <laughs> when you know they want 10, right? It's a choiceless Absolutely. choice. Absolutely. Like, that's obnoxious, but it works. So go ahead and do it, parents. But so anyways, I think that we hold ourselves to these ridiculously high standards, A. B, I think we're hardwired to really see the negative as human beings. And that's even even the oh, optimist. Yeah. Like, ne- neurolo- neurologically, right? Like we're yeah. wired for danger and looking for the negative to keep ourselves safe. A hundred percent. Evolutionarily, we are, right? So we've already got this bias to be scanning for negative to all the ways we're screwing up so that we can do better and the thing is this started out as scanning for physical threats right mm-hmm. like where's the woolly mammoth where's the fire where's the what flood whatever yeah what but, those berries are dangerous don't eat them exactly but now our bodies and our brains and our little animal reptilian cells in our mm-hmm. brains can't tell the difference so sometimes we are scanning for, for threats right maybe right. It's we're scanning for the peanut in the lunch when our kid is horribly allergic but other times we're just scanning for like, how are we doing this wrong? <laughs> like, how are we screwing it up in what feel like really big ways, but probably aren't so big, right? Yeah. So an example is when my daughters were really little, I got like obsessed with the idea that I had to be playing the music all the time. <laughs> and for some reason, I didn't know what kind of music to play them. I was like a blur of exhaustion and anxiety and whatever. And I, I don't know. I just wanted to listen to like, 90s pop country because that's what I like to listen to um, and for some reason I was like I can't play them that I have to play them something better but I didn't want to play them stupid like baby music because that's obnoxious I, I don't know I got all tangled up in this I was 100% overthinking it it's like bonker balls and I got really freaked out that I was like not playing them the right music yeah. I don't know Christy I don't know where my brain was so anyways but the other thing that we are evolutionarily wired to do is we're actually wired for comparison Ooh. because we need our community, right? We, we need absolutely to be part do. of a tribe to stay alive. This is safety. And 100%. Like literally on a most basic level, physical protection from the tribe. Mm-hmm. We all know now that it's also like emotional and whatever, all the things. We need our peeps. And the way we stay connected to our tribe is to constantly be keeping an eye on what everyone else is doing so that we know, are we doing it right? Are we doing it like them? Are we totally screwing up? Are we better than, worse than? How do we sort of Oh my gosh, this is why social media is exhausting. This, oh my God, so many reasons why social media is exhausting. But like a lot, like, yeah, the tribe is much bigger now all of a sudden. And we're comparing (laughs) ourselves to people who live on like another planet and (laughs) we're comparing ourselves to their not reality. We are comparing our reality to their To their highlight reel fake. Yeah. Yes, and so- and it used to be that you would compare yourself to the people who lived in your neighborhood and generally right. had more or less the same yeah, resources. Yeah, same social same so resources, same. Yeah, and like they went to the same grocery store. Right? Exactly. They had access to the same schools. And yes, you could always say, well, so-and-so had more money and so their kid to Oh, yeah, blah, right. Blah. There's always the but shiny was- family. Yeah. Oh, the shiny family. Oh my gosh, I'm going to use that phrase from now on. I love that. <laughs> Go for it. 100% the shiny family. But we all, but you know, there was a context yeah. and now it's like, at one point I remember comparing myself to Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> and being like, I should have fish delivered. I don't cook fish. I don't know where to get fish delivered. I don't know anybody who has fish delivered. Well, I mean, this was before the pandemic when getting food delivered became a real thing. But yeah. I remember being, and then I was like, dear God, I am comparing myself to one of the wealthiest, most powerful women on the planet and thinking that I should try to be doing what she's doing. But then she shows up with like goop and cookbooks and all these things. And the message is 
you can be doing what I am doing when no offense to Gwyneth, I love her movies she, and everything, but yeah. she lives on another planet. We are not oh, totally. in the same world. And so there's so much the invisible scaffolding there, right? Like she has so oh much help. And and you know, we're also comparing ourselves to families in completely different countries Absolutely. and cultures. Yeah. The, and the lens is so big of what we consider. So it's too much. Like I remember somebody talking about, I can't remember I heard this, but like among indigenous people in Alaska, like the six-year-olds are spearing narwhals. And I was like, so there my- was a whole NPR book, right? Like hunt gather. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It was oh, yeah, great it was book, awesome. but it's like a great book. But I remember being like, so my 12 year old thinks a narwhal is a stuffed animal from CVS. Like that's what, that is our, like, yeah, yeah. I know. I was, I was reading this and I was like, oh, my kids aren't doing enough chores. Like I thought we were doing pretty good, but then, but we never stack up to like all these things. So it's very, it's exhausting and it's hard. And, um, inevitably we blame ourselves. Yep. Instead of, we are a generation that for so many reasons, we blame ourselves for societal problems. And that stinks. That feels bad. And we end up thinking we're terrible parents when in fact we're not. There we go. The narwhal thing. There's chores. There's like, like there's just so much you can judge yourself for, for failing. Oh yeah. I mean, look right now, as you and I are on this podcast, my kids are downstairs um, on screens. Oh, my 10-year-old is on screens. My other two, school has started, so they're at school. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, my kids, school hasn't started yet, and so they had a sleepover, and their friends came over, and they ate a bunch of crap and stayed up too late and did dumb stuff. And yeah, I think there's a mess in the bathroom that I'm scared to look at. <laughs> um, and a part of me is like, oh, my God, they didn't do their math packet. I'm such a bad mother. Yeah. And it was actually, I will tell you, one of the... One of the things that really got taken away from us during the pandemic and that we're just starting to get back and Uh what a joy it was to have all these kids in my house last night um, was like the sense, the reality check, right? Because my kids are going back to school. Oh my God, we all need the reality check. So my kids are going back to school in two days. They haven't finished their math packets. And I was feeling like a crappy mom because it's like I've had three months to remind them (laughs) of the stupid math packet. I didn't do it. And so all these little girls in my house last night, now the blue, I was like, have you guys done your math packets? And by the way, all these girls have great parents. All of their parents are fantastic parents. Right. Like you like their families. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> every single one of them was like, I didn't do my math packet. I don't even know where my math packet is. <laughs> all I could think was, oh, thank God. Isn't like, it I'm so nice to see the norm reference again? So I, nice. that's That was the hardest part of homeschooling for so long was not knowing what other 10 year olds look like, what other eight year olds look like with writing and stuff. Like you don't have that as a homeschool family. Um, And definitely during the pandemic, right? Like no one, we lost reference and we also lost reference um, in the pandemic to like what the safe risks are. Like, like you were talking about your shoulder before we started, like for so long, shoulder, everybody (laughs) for so long, early in the pandemic, I was like, whatever you do guys, like you can't do anything stupid because we can't go to the ER. Like I kind of stopped letting them take risk. And I, and I feel that now. And so we're trying to break out of that of like, let's take risk again. We did the same thing. Right. And I don't want, Look, this gener- hopefully this pandemic will be the defining moment of this generation and there won't be another one. We don't yeah. need another one. Thank you. We're done and good. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you know, 
our great grandparents who lived through the first flu pandemic and our uh-huh. grandparents who lived through the wars and all the things. There are these defining generations. They're going through it as a generation and it's going to frame to some extent or another who they are. And it is not on us to change that or control that or fix that. It's part of their narrative. It's part of their story. And for some of them, it's going to be like this really sucked and I came out of it okay. And for some of them, it's going to be like this really sucked and I actually struggled for a long time and it was awful. And for some of them, it's going to be like, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. I don't really care about wearing masks. (laughs) And it's going to be like what it is. It's going to be part of their story. And we can't change that. We yeah. can't fix that. We can't erase that. And all we have to do is do our damnedest to help them make sense of it, which is crazy hard because we're still trying to make sense of it. Right. Absolutely. So as you're, this is a good moment to ask. Like, so when you're in this moment that you actually have no control over, right? Besides like your inner monologue and like what you choose to do, is that when self-compassion can help? Because that's basically what your book is about. Self-compassion. And that's such a big word right now. It is. And it's it's fascinating for me to see it as a big word because, you know, I have an undergrad degree in psychology and a master's and a doctorate in clinical social work. I went through all that training. I worked in clinical settings for years and I never heard this phrase. <laughs> never. Like the closest I got was like Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. Remember the guy sitting oh, in front yeah. of the mirror in his cardigan yep. being like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Well, that's not self-compassion, eh? But like, that's what I thought it was. That's what it was so, modeled. Yeah, like yeah, we didn't so have first, a lot of, we had a lot of like, you're the best, shoot for the stars, self-esteem talk, but that's not self-compassion. That's right. No, it's like the kitty hanging on the branch being like, hang in there. Uh-huh. That's not, well, that's maybe a little more compassionate, but it's not really self-compassion, yeah. but it is cute. So, I first learned about this when I started taking a mindfulness course to try to stop yelling at my kids. And literally, I remember sitting, this was before the pandemic, so I remember sitting in this conference room, like literally on the floor with this dingy gray carpet and this like happy little perky, chirpy instructor (laughs) being like, now we're going to talk about self-compassion. And I was like, can I get a bathroom break? (laughs) I did not want to be a part of this conversation. I was like, this is stupid and gross. And can you please just tell me how to stop? yelling at my kids like just freaking give me the checklist i'll go do it Uh christy i will tell you if there is one practice and it really is a practice it's a thing you actually have to do you can't just listen to some crazy lady talk about on a podcast if there is one practice that has changed my life and my parenting and made me a calmer more patient more present parent it is a hundred percent self-compassion and So what is self-compassion? It's just noticing when you're suffering and being kind to yourself in response. That's all. It's not about fixing anything. It's not about um, letting yourself off the hook. It's not self-esteem. It's not Mm self-pity. It's just becoming aware of our own suffering and struggles, which for as much as most of us have been suffering and struggling for the past two years, I would argue we often don't notice the most compelling or important parts of it. And then just treating ourselves with kindness. Cause so many of us, when we're having a hard time, we judge the crap out of ourselves. We treat ourselves with contempt. We, we shut down, right? Yeah. We disconnect from the people who love us because we feel so ashamed of our struggles. And then we're just kind of a sad, little pathetic, stuck, <laughs> lonely mess. It's really and, hard. Oh, it sucks. And it's like how most of us are living our lives and how I lived my life for so long. And sometimes I still do. Like sometimes I still get caught in that. But for the most part, 
when I think about self-compassion, and I, I want to acknowledge the sort of pioneers in Western culture, yeah. um, are Kristen Neff, who is a, psych- a psychologist down in Texas, who does research, and Christopher Germer, who's in Massachusetts okay. and also does research and practice on this, and many other people, many, many other people. But my work is inspired and based on theirs, and I really think about compassion as being about connection and curiosity and kindness. And I'm a real concrete thinker. I'm a real nuts and bolts kind of person. And so I tried to like dig deep and lay it all out in the book. Like here's exactly how you do this. Yeah. You did a really good job. I enjoyed it. I I made it. I started making a list of the movies you referenced in your book too. FYI. I love movies. I love movies. You have at least three that I caught. I do. Uh I do. I do. I didn't realize that. I should go back and find them. Um, But yeah, so self-compassion, connection, curiosity, and kindness. So let's say, let's do like a normal freakout mode that happens when school starts, right? Like your kid texts you that they forgot something and you go into the spiral of like, should I bring it to them or not? Oh my God, that, it's such a great question. It's such a universal struggle. <laughs> it's going to um, happen to all of us. Oh, yeah. So, um... I don't know whether you should bring your thing to bring this thing to your kid or not, right? I'm not going right. to give you that advice, but <laughs> what I will tell you is let's talk about the different ways to respond to this internally. Uh-huh. So you can judge yourself, you can judge your kids, you can feel like a terrible mother because you didn't set out the checklist you planned <laughs> to set out or you didn't remind them or whatever it is. Just stop. Don't do that. Like try to notice when your brain goes down that really unhelpful path and just take a break. Yeah. And right? And the first thing I want you to do is just take a moment to connect. And when I say connect, I generally mean connect to one of three different things or maybe all three if you need it. Okay. One is connect to the present moment. Just come back to the here and now and what exactly is going on. Because if your brain is anything like my brain, you have spiraled. It's right? so fast. Sudden, <laughs> oh my God, so fast. So fast. Right? Like the, the thing that got forgotten leads to them eating Cheetos in my basement playing xbox and being a live streamer like it goes right, they're there never really gonna fast make it in college. they're, they're never, never and they're, they're just never leaving the basement yeah yeah <laughs> keto dust everywhere it's yeah, just everywhere. Keto dust is because of this one thing they forgot yeah. so stop with the spiral and just come back to the here and now what is actually happening what do you know right what is what is for reals that's r-e-a-l-z what is for reals <laughs> right here and now okay yeah That will just kind of calm down the anxiety, bring down the spiral, bring you out of all the future worry, the past regret, come back to the present moment, which is the only place where we can get clarity on what's going on and where we can actually take action to fix it. The next thing you can do is connect to common humanity. And this is this idea from Kristen Neff, and it sounds kind of weird until I explain it, which is just remind yourself you're not alone. Every kid forgets things. Every human forgets things. Every adult forgets things. It doesn't, you are not alone. You are not the only parent to ever have a kid forget their stuff and freak out and text you. This happens all the time, every day to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you are not the only parent who is struggling with whether or not to bring this thing to your kid. Right. We all struggle with it. Like, do I bring them a lunch or do I let them eat the stale bagel that they leave in the teacher's lounge? I don't like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, right. Do we let them suffer the consequences or do we try to make their life easier? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. either. This is the like okay. it spirals. Yeah. <laughs> so here you have, dear listener, at least two other women that you can immediately <laughs> think of who also have no idea what's going on. No so you're clue. not alone. 
Yeah. And then the other thing you can do, and this may or may not be necessary in this particular example, but uh-huh. it's necessary in almost everyone, which is connect to your support system, connect to the people who love you, connect to the people who can resonate. So if you have a parenting partner, check in with them. If if you want to text a friend real quick or a family member or somebody and be like, Ugh, my kid like forgot their lunch. I don't know what to do. Like they might have an idea or at the very least they'll be like, yep, mine too. That sucks. <laughs> and by the way, if you text someone and they're like, that's strange. My kid has literally never forgotten anything. Don't they're a robot. Be, don't believe them. Not, first of all, they're like liars <laughs> or they have a staff. They have the invisible scaffolding or I don't know. Maybe they're on some kind of like neurostimulant. I don't know. What's yeah. Or I, I still think there must be. They just must be an android. Like they must not yeah. be human. My children do not yeah. forget. So <laughs> all I'm saying is these people might be lovely, but they're not your support system. No, right? that doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just not who you're reaching out to. So that's the connection piece. So let's get. To the curiosity piece. This mm-hmm. is another option. And you don't have to do these in order. Like this is what you know, pops your little up like, yeah. Take what you need, right? So the curiosity piece is really the antidote to judgment. So you might be in a headspace where you're like, I suck, I'm the worst mother, I'm so disorganized, we're never gonna get together, the whole school year is gonna be awful. Again, can you notice those thoughts? Try not to judge yourself for them, and then come back to this curiosity, which is Okay, maybe you get curious about yourself. What's going on for me right now? Why is this so triggering? Like, what do I need in this moment to feel better or to calm down? Mm-hmm. What can I actually do? Like, am I at work? Do I have a meeting? Do I have a baby who's napping? Like, do I have an appointment? Like, what right. legitimately, what can you actually do? Because I feel like we parents bend over backwards and rearrange our lives. Yeah. To fix these problems for our kids, and guess what? They're gonna they're gonna survive. Like they will be okay. So there will be a helper somewhere at the school, right? Like if it's if it's really the forgotten lunch, there's there's lunch somewhere. Nobody's gonna starve. Your kid will learn a lesson. They'll be stronger and more resilient because they survived. You know, going to band without their tuba or whatever it is. So unless it's like life saving medication, the kid's gonna be okay, really. And if it's life saving medication. You learn your lesson once and then the thing you get curious about is what do I need to do to guarantee that they never go anywhere yep. without this medication again, right? So then the curiosity piece for you might be logistically, what can I actually do? Um, what do I need to like feel better about whatever's going on? And what can we do in the future to avoid this? Do we need to pack lunches the night before do we need a checklist do we need to get a duplicate set of mittens that we can just leave in their cubby at school (laughs) like what what do we need to do so that's the curiosity piece and when you're in judgment there's just no room to think clearly when you're judging yourself it just doesn't work but when you get curious you can actually come up with some useful solutions or you realize there is no solution and then you treat yourself with kindness (laughs) which is oh how handy my third little uh practice here yeah the kindness piece, there's a number of ways to treat yourself with kindness, but I think the biggest and most important one is is the self-talk. And if you sit back and notice the way you are talking to yourself in situations, I hope you would be appalled, right? And I used to think to myself on the regular, I'm a terrible parent. I'm screwing this up. Like my kids are not going to be okay. Uh, this is like the most important work of my life and I'm working so stinking hard at it and I I am failing. And I got to tell you, Christy, like if a friend of mine 
called me up and said that to me, I'd be like, that's so bitchy. Like, why would you do? I wouldn't just right. be like, oh, she's right. I would be oh, like, oh, no. Yeah. You would be like, stop. Like, what is <laughs> like, yeah. Right. And so you would why, never why let would... your friend talk about themselves that way in front of you. Never. Never. And I would never talk to a friend that way. No, never. Yeah, no, it would be like instant, like no about face. Like, let me tell you all the ways that you're kicking ass and taking names. Yes. And like, and while this might be hard, there's lots of things that you're doing great. And here's how we can. Yes. And like just the other day, one of my friends called me up totally overwhelmed. She's like, I am a garbage human. And I was like, dude, unless you literally just climbed into a dumpster (laughs) and covered yourself with garbage, (laughs) And are like strolling through the streets covered in like candy wrappers. She's a walking garbage pail kid. Right. Like unless that's literally what's going on. I don't ever want to hear you call yourself a garbage human again. Like you are dealing with so much. And let's talk about all the things you're dealing with. And this is hard. And most of us couldn't even handle one thing. And you're handling five. Right. And all the things. So how do we conjure that voice for ourselves? How do we talk to ourselves that way? Um, Because... It's so stressful and hard and confusing to try to parent when you're constantly speaking to yourself with contempt and shame and all the things. And the way I try to explain to parents is, have you ever had a job where your boss was a total jerk and he basically followed you around all day telling you all the ways you were screwing up and how bad everything was going to be because of your mistakes? It's hard. You're constantly mm-hmm. tense. You're constantly walking on eggshells. You're, you're anxious. stressed like, out. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's basically what we're doing to ourselves. So not only are all these crazy, like this mean self-talk, it's not true and it makes parenting harder and it makes Mm -hmm. us feel less confident and calm. So it's really about sort of learning how to talk to yourself with kindness, which is a practice because when we first start doing it, it's hard to find the words and it feels weird and it's like learning a new language and it's like, ew, this feels kind of gooey and gross and I don't man. It feels goofy. <laughs> it feels weird. Mm-hmm. Feels like I'm that guy sitting in front of that mirror with these cheesy affirmations and that's totally not what it is, um, but it feels that way. Uh-huh. And so there are lots of ways to practice it and get better at it just like you can practice a new language and get better at it and eventually, you know, I'm never going to be a native speaker of self-compassion. Like my yeah. default language in really hard moments does go back to some version of I suck. And yeah, but now I'm much more likely to notice that and be like, nope, this is actually just really hard for everyone. And just because it's hard, that doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. It's just that it's actually hard. So what was one of the first practices that you did when you were learning how to speak with kindness? So the first practice I did, and again, I want listeners to know they can enter into this through any door that works for them, right? right? Find the thing that feels the most authentic and natural. And the truth is none of it's going to feel really authentic and natural, but find the one that works. It's going to feel like dress up in awkward, scratchy clothes for a while, right? Like that's how it felt for me when I was trying to figure out some of this stuff. So for me, because my entrance into this was through a mindfulness based stress reduction course or MBSR, I started with practicing um, a loving kindness meditation, which is this thing where you, it's a practice where you just repeat phrases of kindness to yourself. And it's literally practicing. Yeah. Like saying kind words. Yeah. And again, so there's a bunch of different ways to practice it. I write about it in the book. You can Google it. There's podcasts. There's all the things. For me, the, the words I lean on were just 
may I be happy, may yep. I be healthy, may I be safe, and may I live with ease. And again, when I first started saying these, like I couldn't remember them, and I was like, does anybody who like actually say this? Do I have to go drink kombucha now? I don't like kombucha. <laughs> like, it's not a thing I want to do. I want to drink diet coke. Like, what is happening? You gotta go drink some apple cider vinegar. So, like, yeah, no, not for me. Thank you. And so. But I kept at it because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Really, I was pretty desperate. And eventually what I found was it stopped feeling so weird. It started coming really naturally. It became this sort of solid ground. Like when I was feeling really lost and confused and overwhelmed, I was like, well, I can fill my brain with crap talk or I can just kind of have these kind thoughts and wishes for myself. Mm -hmm. and. Now what I will find is when I have a rough moment where I drop break something or I break something or I do the wrong thing or I forget something or I snap at my kids or whatever it is, I am far more likely to say, well, it's a rough day. We all have rough days. Parenting's hard. Parenting's hard for everyone. And I'm much more likely to jump into the compassion, uh, sorry, the curiosity pretty yeah. quickly and say, okay, what do I actually need right now? Like, have I not peed in three <laughs> hours? Because... I'm a mother of two, so oh, I have to yeah. approximately every 18 minutes, like middle-aged mother yep. of two. That's how it rolls. Yeah. So, totally. like, am I hungry? Yeah. Did I, I eat protein sleep? recently? It's always right. protein. Like, is my blood sugar protein. tanked? Right. Like, did the cat wake me up at 2 a.m. vomiting on the rug? Like, thanks, cat. You know, what is happening? Or is it something going on with my kids? Can I get curious about them? Are they struggling because there's a big transition going back to school or they heard something upsetting on the news or because it's a day that ends in Y or puberty or whatever <laughs> all it is. All the like, things. All the things. But again, curiosity, it is an inherently compassionate way to interact with yourself or someone else because when you get curious, you're saying, I'm interested in what's going on with you and I care and I can handle whatever you show up with, Yeah. right? And that's the hard part because sometimes the answers to our questions are like, oh, I really legitimately screwed this up. Oh, yeah. And that feels so bad. But it's easier to feel bad when you know that the person on the other end is going to respond to you with kindness. And whether that's a friend or loved one or your own self, mm -hmm. it's easier to feel bad when you know there's not going to be this added like blanket of shame and contempt and judgment right coming yeah at you. i mean you can just try to solve the problem and just it just sucked like i made yeah, this or just mistake and feel like yeah shit and no you can't fix it like I, I have friends yeah i have a few people in my life that i am lucky enough to go i can say to them like i totally screwed this up like i really boffed it and i know Either they're not going to judge me or they're going to hide their judgment really damn uh -huh. well. And either way is fine. Like, I'll take whatever I need. Yeah. But, like, they're there for me. And Both I know would they feel good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so hard. And, like, as my kids get older, the things that I need to pause and practice this curiosity and kindness and connection, like, in my reaction, right, to what they're saying, like, there's big conversations all the time as teens discover who they are. And, um... And I always remind them, like, my face might be lying to you, but let me, like, take a moment so I can figure out what what my body feels. Well, that is another brilliant thing. And I'm thinking about my own daughter. I've got one who's just super sensitive of and aware of other people all the time. And uh -huh. if I, like, twitch my eyebrow wrong, 
Yeah, she I'm practicing. There was, I think it was on Instagram. I ran across this like coach, and she's like, "You need to try to keep Botox brow when you're talking." That's to what teens. I think. I was just, I was literally, I should have my whole face like Botox all the time, so I don't display any emotion until uh-huh. I have a chance to figure like, out. Like, if you can I'm keep thinking. your eyebrows flat, then they'll read your face differently. And I was like, That's- oh. So I practice it sometimes in the mirror. That is, a, that is too tall of an ask for me. I, it's hard. It's ridiculous. I don't have that much control over my eyes. <laughs> so I tell my kids my face is just going to lie and let me take a deep breath and then I will try to figure it out. <laughs> I'm kind of contemplating shaving off my eyebrows. Now. I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe, you need maybe eyebrows to balance your face. Like you just As someone that has like blonde colored eyebrows that I have to color in if you want to see them, like eyebrows matter. You want eyebrows. I have old man eyebrows that I comb and cut all the time because they if I am not careful they will look like caterpillars on like it's not it's not a good thing Christy I've got albino eyebrows like unless I color them in profusely like you just can't see them they just see now your listeners are like what the hell are these women talking about I know we'll just have to post a selfie on Instagram I know you like look at our eyebrows look at our eyebrows so as we're in these moments with self-compassion towards ourselves and trying to figure this out we want to make sure, like, we don't want to carry this burden on, right, for our kids. Like, we'd rather have them talk to themselves with self-compassion and try to, like, fix this framework of programming. So how do you – is this teachable to a kid? Oh, my well, gosh, that's the best question it? ever. <laughs> Look, I am con- – so one of the kindest things my grandmother – we were talking about our grandparents before yeah. the show. We love our grandparents. One of the kindest things my grandmother ever said to me was when my daughters were very little – uh, I was taking them to swim lessons because my grandmother was a big swimmer and she was obsessed with teaching all her grandchildren how to swim. And this was really important to her. Yeah. And for the life of me, I could not teach these kids how to swim. And I felt like I was letting my grandmother down and I called her up and I was like, grandma, I can't do this. And she just looked at me. She's like, well, she didn't look at me. She was on the phone, yeah. but I, I could feel her looking at me. <laughs> and she was face. like, <laughs> yeah, I knew the face. I was, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you teaching them? Just find someone else, pay them. And she goes, you don't have to teach your kids everything. And I was like, what? Because she was such an involved uh, grandma. Like literally, yeah. Christy, she taught me seventh grade algebra. Like, oh she was a gosh. math teacher. And my dad didn't like the math teacher at my school. So he made a deal with the school that my grandma taught me algebra. Oh then. my gosh. So like literally she taught me everything. And for this woman to say, you don't have to teach your kids everything. I didn't teach my kids everything. So first of all, I want to say to parents, it is not your job and it is not possible to teach your kids everything. Even if you are a professional teacher, even if you are an occupational therapist, even if you are a therapist. Like, if you're an expert all- in some field, you still can't teach your kid everything. I can't teach my kids anything. They have zero interest in learning from me. And now that they're 12 and 13, it's even less interest. So They need a bigger please, village. Yeah. Like literally my husband called up a friend of ours and was like uh can you come teach our kids how to ride a bike because we don't know how to do it and this guy was like i will teach your kids how to ride a bike and i was like amazing thank you thank you so as i say what i'm about to say i want listeners to hold this in context that it is not on you to teach your kids things it is on you to do your best to keep them safe and like feed them and like take care of their basic needs and maybe sometimes have fun with them i think that's really And I know there are a lot of listeners who are going to disagree with me, and that's okay because I think people can parent really well in different ways. I think there are a lot of different ways to be a great parent. So if you love teaching kids stuff, hallelujah, give me your address. I will send my kids to you. Okay, having said that, here is how I teach my kids self-compassion. Yeah. 
I compassion out loud. So I don't say to them, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what actually that's probably what they hear whenever I talk is blah, yeah. blah, blah. But anyways, what I will do is when I'm trying to treat myself with compassion, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll say it out loud. I'll be like, oh, yep. Today's a really hard day. And then I'll literally say out loud, like, what do I need right now? And they can kind of hear my monologue. Yep. And so their eyes are rolling real fast and hard at this point. Oh, yeah. But they're hearing it. And I know they are because at one point I did something dumb. I don't remember what it yeah. was. And my younger daughter comes to me and she goes, it's okay, mom. We all make mistakes. And I was like, touchdown. Right? <laughs> and, so, um, and the other thing I try to do is I try my darndest yeah. to respond to them with compassion. Yeah. So when they're having a hard time, even though my first reaction is to try to fix whatever's going on mm-hmm. for them, because of course I'm their mommy, I want you know I want to yeah. fix things. First of all, most of the crap that happens in life can't be fixed. We just gotta kind of muddle through. Uh-huh. But I will try to say to them, that sounds really hard. And by the way, folks, I'm a social worker. I can very quickly and easily revert into social work voice. Oh, I bet. Oh, it's the worst. Do your kids and, label it? Do they, oh, do they call you out? My my daughter literally at one point was like, do not psychologize me, mom. Oh, that's awesome. Like we went to this. a museum one time and like my teacher playground voice came out from like when I was oh, yeah. a public school teacher. And they're like, mom, you don't have to playground voice these other kids or like the crowd around us. I was like, oh, no. You're like, <laughs> like, yeah, I do. I absolutely freaking I do. Have <laughs> yeah, my daughter likes to say to me, don't psychologize me. And then I look at her. I'm like, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a social worker. And then she looks at me and she's like, don't social work me. And then I'm like, Nyeh. and then we have this really mature adult, like, you know, back and forth. That everybody loves. Do you do sound effects back and forth? Cause that's how it devolves into my house. Yeah. I will. When like, they start calling will, me out, I was like, fine. Bleh. And they're like, Bleh. oh yeah. We do a lot of like kind of hissing and roaring at each other. Uh-huh. That is a thing that happens. In our, yeah. Um, but I try to just treat them with compassion whenever I can. And believe me, if you try to do this, when A, you haven't practiced, or B, you are pissed off, it will not work. So practice the compassion for yourself first, please. Yeah. And practice when it's easy, when you're not ticked off, when you're not suffering, right? Because when you feel like you can. Yeah. You got to practice when it's easy. If you are one of those parents, and I've seen these parents, and I know these parents, and I hold these parents in awe, who have sort of endless patience and compassion for your children. First of all, you are a saint on earth and I am not one of those parents. It does not come easily to me. It's something I have to work hard at. But if you are one of those parents, then keep doing what you're doing. And can you draw on that same compassion that you hold for your children? Can you draw on that and turn it inwards towards yourself? Yeah. Right. Um, So that's how I teach them is I do my best to model it out loud for them. I love it. It makes it so much simpler when it's just like you living your life um, and trying to learn it yourself, right? Yes. Like it's not another thing on your to-do list of like, oh, I need to try to teach mindfulness or compassion to my kids. Like no, it's, it's like, oh, I dropped the milk and it spilled all over and okay, let me do a deep sigh and talk yeah. out loud about how I'm going to handle this disaster. Um the other thing that is a family strategy that's worked really well for our marriage and our parenting is we have a family rule, which is blame the cats first. We have two cats and when everything, they're, they're adorable and we love them. But man, Christy, they cause so much trouble in our house because we blame them for everything. We have a ghost, Carla. We have Andrew the ghost that gets 
He gets blamed for everything. Goat, and I was like, not a goat, a ghost, a ghost. Andrew, Andrew, the ghost. He he steals other people's candy. He just drops things all the time. Andrew, the ghost. It started because my middle child stole the ring pop from my older daughter and blamed it on Andrew, the ghost, when she was a preschooler. That's freaking brilliant. So we've now just continued. (laughs) I love that. So, like, find someone else to blame. Yeah. Yeah, preferably someone like who can't defend the cat, a ghost, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, love it. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, how are you taking care of yourself in all of this? So, like, I know self compassion is an act of self care and kindness, but are there other acts of self care and kindness that help you pull it together, especially while you're launching a book? Yes. So I'm gonna be real honest with you, Christy. I'm gonna lay it down. Yeah, please do. About a Peloton. <gasps> I need your username. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. So let, let just, okay, let, let me tell you my Peloton story. Yeah. So my sister, who's way more fashionable and cool than I am, got a Peloton at the start of the pandemic. And I did what any younger sister reasonably does, which is I, I absolutely mocked the shit out of her. <laughs> I was like making fun of her. I was mocking her. I was like, I ride a real bike, you loser. And I'd like send her selfies of me and my like little bike and my dorky helmet out riding mm-hmm. around town. And uh, two years go by and she's getting fitter and I'm not really. And um, I saw her this summer and she pulled out the Peloton app and we did this like Barbara Streisand stretching routine together. Isn't it amazing? Oh my God. And I was like, damn it. This is actually really stinking cool. So first of all, Peloton, if you're out there listening, please feel free to hire me as like a celebrity spokesperson. But I'm like a little obsessed with it. And I think I've become like my kids are with Roblox. Like they won't freaking stop talking about it. And my husband the other day was like, I love you, but you need to shut up about your stupid Peloton. Have you and seen the like, Holderness music video about it? About the stages no. of Peloton with the <gasps> Holderness family? No. And there's, no. The, there's the one where she fell in love with it. And then there's like a remake that came out like two years later where like he's finally embracing the Peloton. That family is hilarious and I love their videos. Yeah. I will just say it's like, you know, I'm on the Peloton in like my ratty old Target tank top from three years ago and yep. my like Hanukkah pajama bottoms and I'm like sweaty and disgusting and this like super fit, sexy, tight woman is like, you're a badass. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> and I look down and I'm like, I'm a blubbery mess. But like, I will say, just to be really honest, and so if you can find an exercise you love where you can be in your dorky pajamas and still feel like a badass, that is like huge self-care for me. So I'm like my little, this is like my little thing. I love it. it. I jumped in the Peloton bandwagon when we moved here and had winters again. Um, coming from Georgia to DC area, there's winters and, um, I needed an indoor summer when you don't want to go outside. It does. It's a big deal. Boston has the same. Boston has the same. So I feel immensely grateful that this, this was my birthday present for turning 45. And I, also, I'm like obsessed with the app. So like when I go for my little walk, I'm like, wait, girls, you have to stop. Mommy has to turn on her Peloton app. And I can't believe I've become this person, but I'm learning that I'm, too old to judge myself for anything anymore so i have just embraced it and it's fun to get the blue dots good job oh my god the blue dots are very motivating so i'm um honestly that and um 
uh, oh my gosh, what's the TV show I'm watching about the British family? It came out many years ago and everybody's obsessed. Down British- Abbey? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Down Abbey is my new self-care. I'm like obsessed with it. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm just catching up to this because I am not with the times. And so I, I watch Downton Abbey is my other self-care. What's yours, Christy? Let's hear. I want to hear. Oh, okay. So um, I love my Peloton um that that's yeah. awesome i love it and i even bought like a flashing party light so like it feels like a a rave kind of it's like this 13 dollar light on amazon that pulses with the music that's <laughs> so amazing. i pull like, it in and it's like a party for one in the basement with the bike um it's so much fun so much. and then the other thing i'm doing is i started i drug up all my paint recently and i started painting just just like flowers, abstract flowery pastel, like, you know, so I made a space to like paint and like do something yesterday. um, There was a kid needing to do homework because school has started. Right. And I didn't want to nag the child too much. It's a work in progress. Um, And so I started painting just like lines down the canvas, like little dots. Like I have no clue what I'm making. I'm just painting dots just to stay at the table and to like bite my lip and be there in the room no, th- there's so much brilliance to this and mine is i i crochet and i'm making a blanket for my daughter but i think there is so much brilliance to having something to like hold your attention mm-hmm. while you are in the room with your child trying not to intervene in whatever's going yeah. on that is not a screen yeah because the problem is when we take out our phones and we end up watching like a honey badger video or like Lizzo in oh, that yeah. amazing dress that looked like a garbage bag, except a million times better because she's so smart. How did she hot. do that? I don't know how she pulled that off. I'm still trying. Whatever, whatever we're gonna see on our phone is inherently more fascinating and or pleasant. We're and just more not in the and room anymore. And then it's hard to bring your brain back into the room. And then your kid asks a very reasonable question about how to divide a fraction, which is actually not a reasonable question at all because I don't know how to do that stuff. But they ask some question and you snap at them because they're annoying because they're not as awesome as Lizzo in the dress. Because yeah. nobody is as awesome as Lizzo in the dress. Yes. We're talking about, what are we talking about? The awards series. Yeah. Like award. Yeah. The yeah. GMAs or I don't yes. even know. Yeah. So I think that having something, whether it's a crossword puzzle or a craft project or a book or a magazine or something. My husband plays ukulele and we're doing like a Guns N' Roses oh, thing yeah. on the ukulele now. By we, I mean him, not me. That's awesome. Um, I just, I think having something to keep your hands yeah. and your mind busy while you are in proximity to your child but not engaging with them that is not screen time is brilliant. It's, yeah. So I've done embroidery before, right? Cause, or, um, I only knit cross, I knitted, uh, Washcloths because it required no counting. I can't do oh, yeah. complicated projects for knitting. Is stupid. I don't count. Oh, you don't count. I, I used to count. Well, I used to count to three <laughs> all the time with my kids. That was a thing. But oh yeah, no, like counting the, the stitching. Like I, I don't can count only that. simple stitch. Like I only knit. I don't like counting. Yeah, counting takes time and brain power that I don't have. Yeah, don't have it. So yeah, no simple so, projects. Yeah. Only simple things, but it keeps me in the room and it keeps me present with them. And I think that's like my biggest parenting hack with teenagers right now is just staying yes. in the room. Yeah, it's brilliant. Somebody said you got, I think it was Catherine Newman, who's one of my favorite. Oh, I love said, her. You need to be like a potted plant in the room. <laughs> 
But here's the thing that like I need to be a potted plant who's keeping their hands busy somehow <laughs> because I don't I'm not a Zen master. I can't just freaking sit there and like meditate in the room. So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, don't want to hold Do my phone. This. So that's like that's the thing, right? Like you don't want to I mean, wanna, I totally want to hold my I phone. I want to, but like it doesn't like connect with yeah, my you kids. You got to get it away. You it doesn't get bring it away. the curiosity or the connection or the compassion or any of those things. None of that. No, it brings all the opposite. It will trigger you because you'll pick up your phone and you'll be like, oh, there's a wildfire. I know that person that I knew from 30 years ago and I haven't found about, like I haven't thought about in 30 years just died. And now I'm really sad, even though I never thought about them. And like, oh, and this person is parenting a million times better than I am. And all of a sudden your voice changes into this weird, obnoxious. Yeah, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't find bread. Or why does that pile of food cost $85 in Guam? Or that's what I I see all these things. Oh yeah, there's the submarines in Guam. Guam there's submarines in Guam. So like, oh. so somebody was showing me their grocery bills of like how much it costs to live in Guam when the Navy sends you there. And a gallon of milk is like thirteen dollars a gallon. It is a lot of milk. Like the mom's like, should I cry if I spilled the milk? I was like, yes. Yeah, you cry you over cry thirteen dollar a milk. <laughs> thirteen dollars a gallon of milk. Yeah. So it's how are you fun. having fun as a family? Oh, okay. Two ways we're having fun as a family. Yeah. One is, so we started this thing during the pandemic where we end the day every day with a funny TV show because I need to end laughing. So we watched Psych, which was this old. Oh, I um, love that one. Yeah. 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 From USA a long time ago. We watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which okay. was amazing and totally my juvenile humor. And now we are watching Bluey. <gasps> Bluey's our favorite. Oh my gosh, and the whole family's watching Bluey and we're all dying and now we're all walking around going looking at each other in these terrible Australian accents going, It started as a wee, but then it turned into a poo. And like I said this to my daughter in front of someone who's like not in our family and they were like, What the hell just happened here? And I was like, oh, oh, right. Sorry. oh, we play games like we played ragdoll the other day where I just went limp and they had to like pull me around the house. Um I will say that dad makes me feel a little inferior about my parenting skills because he's so freaking amazing. He's like the best dad, but we love Bluey. And so we watch like, we've been watching yeah. these like home organization shows lately. Uh-huh. I don't know how we got into that, but it works. And then we watch like two episodes of Bluey and That's we all just fantastic. die laughing. Have so. you seen, seen the chess episode called chest in season three yet? Have you gotten to season three? No, no, no. Three? We're still like halfway through okay. season one. No spoilers, okay. Won't please. Spoil it. Okay. There's a season three just dropped this summer recently so you've got some new ones that are yeah we're a little late to the bluey game we're just catching up but it's it is okay like, it's it's a serious family bonding moment i love us. it yeah bluey what about fantastic. you we we watch a lot of bluey um yeah. and then we play a lot of mario kart we were on this like hardcore hardcore mario kart binge and then we did it for a few months and then all four of us at once and then somehow we fell out of it. But lately we've been playing more cards. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. play a lot of hearts as a family. Oh, hey. That's a good one. There we go. We've one. been playing. We have a we have a stack of variety of Uno games. And oh, so we play yes. a lot of uh, the different versions of Uno, not traditional Uno. We play a lot of Uno Flip. And yes, and there's like Uno Dare. Yeah, we have that one. Uno Dare is good. Okay, I need to get these and introduce them because we do love Uno. Uno's really fast, right? Like it's a good fast game. Like you, you know that Uno can't really go on forever. So even yes. my almost sixteen-year-old who seems too busy and too cool, right? Like she knows yeah. Uno is fast. Like she could play Uno. 
Yeah. That's amazing. We love card games. We love card games. They even had underwater Uno that someone brought to the pool this summer. Um, and I guess it's not underwater Uno, but it's waterproof cards. So they tried to play it underwater, a group of kids, by putting rocks and holding their breath for each turn. It was really funny to watch. I did not like, participate, but it was fun to watch. You know, poor life choices in the most <laughs> hilarious way. Yeah, go, let's kids. go for it. Go. So where can people find you, Carla, besides oh. buying your amazing book? Yeah, so book, the book, uh, You Are Not a Shitty Parent, How to Practice Self-Compassion and Give Yourself a Break, hits shelves September 27th, 2022. Yeah. And um, you can find out more about me and everything I'm doing on my website, which is com, And you can get the book from your local independent bookseller or wherever you like to buy books. And there is an e-version and an audio version. And it's fantastic, and I've requested it for my library. So if you're local to me, I've put it in, yes. right? Like, go go put it in go for your library. Go your library. I did the same. Every library has a place where you can request books. So please do that. That's awesome. It, it's my number one hack when I find a really good book. Like, the library needs hack. to have it. It's a good hack. Well, thank you so much. You're exactly the right mom for your kids, and I am so glad you're here. Thank you, Christy. And I love our conversations, and I love the message you're putting out to parents. I hope this episode has made you laugh, made you feel seen, made you feel not alone in this crazy gig of parenting. It's a lifelong gig. It's radically optimistic. And we need more self-compassion. I'm so thankful for this new book. And you can pre-order it still. It doesn't come out until September 27th, which is next Tuesday. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And please send this to your best mom BFF. She probably needs it too. Bye.